Hard to Believe is proud to be a part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For more episodes, and to check out other great shows, head to cageclub.me. About a third of the way into A Game of Thrones, the first book of George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire series, Tyrion Lannister visiting the Wall, a structure of almost unimaginable size, finds himself engaged in conversation with the young Jon Snow. Thinking he's alone, Jon gazes up at the Wall in awe. When lost in his thoughts, he suddenly hears Tyrion's voice say, Makes you wonder what lies beyond. Shortly after, in an apparent criticism of his own susceptibility to human weakness, Tyrion remarks, Why is it that when one man builds a wall, the next man immediately needs to know what's on the other side? Those familiar with the story know that Martin's wall serves the purpose of dividing the ostensibly civilized world from the untamed wilderness of its human and other-than-human inhabitants. But of course, the idea of the wall is not the stuff of fantasy. Just ask Berlin or China or Mexico about that. A specific inspiration for Martin's wall is Hadrian's wall, construction on which began in AD 122. But why? Historians have long suspected that construction on Hadrian's wall, built like the Wall of Westeros to deter any threat from the untamable wild, was somehow triggered by a single event, and many have pointed to a strange corresponding fact the apparent disappearance of the legendary Ninth Legion from the historical record in AD 120. The disappearance of the Ninth has been great fodder for storytellers through the ages, and is the basis for Neil Marshall's terrific and insanely violent 2010 action film Centurion. And the reason is simple. The Wall didn't just block the troublesome Scottish Picts from undermining Roman society. It created a literal barrier in our historical understanding. We want to know what happened to the Ninth. What lies beyond the wall of history? What is on the other side? I'm John Brooks, and this is Hard to Believe. show. My guest today is Jess Collins. Jess is uh, a frequent Cage Club network listener slash occasional guest. Yeah. How many times have you guested on Cage Club shows, Jess? I honestly have no idea. Um, I've done a lot of cruise. I've done a lot of Keanu. I hosted uh, the award show for Zach Attack. I've done some Hanks. I've done a lot. <laughs> In fact, we we did we did some hanks together recently uh, about the Da Vinci Code, which was exciting. So you are a blogger and gamer and and movie lover, conspiracy theorist, yeah. uh, all yeah. those things, all the things. Yeah. One of the reasons why you will be good uh, to talk to about this particular movie is that a you're a, you're a fan of it and b. Uh, it involves one of history's oldest conspiracy theories. And that movie is Centurion. And do you want to give a quick rundown of your understanding? Because I know you just rewatched it, your understanding of or recollection of uh, what happens in this movie and what it's all about. Yeah. So uh, essentially, Michael Fassbender is uh, part of the Roman um, 
the the Centurion Legion and um he's it starts out with him running through the snow which I don't think we ever get back to that unless that was when I was changing my laundry so my bad <laughs> um and he basically their their group gets separated at some point because they're um going to fight these guerrilla warfare type yeah. um individuals um so they get separated and you know, he at one point quotes, he goes, we were 3,000, now we're only three. So him and his three friends or three comrades or whatever, I don't even know if they're friends. Maybe maybe that's a stretch. Um, they are separated. They're trying to get back to their post or a post. And, you know, they run into some turmoil and some crazy action along the way. There's this psycho woman that is hunting them. and She's a badass fighter. She kills a lot of people. It's great. Um, and eventually... At the end, this is like a very rough summation here. Um, they try to kill him because he's the only surviving member of that comes back from this group of the Ninth Legion. And um, eventually he's like, oh, you're just trying to bury me and, and all this that happened and we can't ever let anybody know about it. So then he decides to run off and go live with this woman that he randomly met during his travels Right. that he decides to spend the rest of his life with after... She cooked him a nice hot meal. So I guess, you know, ladies, single ladies, if you're listening, cook a man a nice hot meal. Doesn't matter what's happening in his life. He's probably going to come back and be like, damn, that was a good stew of whatever rabbit you just found in the woods. And let's spend our lives together. Well, to be in in fairness to him, that's probably the nicest thing that's happened to him in his entire life. I mean, probably. Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty, pretty miserable and rough and tumble existence. So when someone's like, come into my house and here's some soup. Yeah. Uh you can see how that would be the equivalent of uh, Love at First Sight. Yeah. So this movie, directed by Neil Marshall, uh, have you ever have you seen any of Neil Marshall's other movies? Do you know Neil Marshall's work outside of Centurion? Yes, and I looked it up earlier and forgot to write it down. So the the quick answer is yes. Okay. I so have you seen The Descent? Yes, I love that movie. Yeah, it's it's love that whole great, franchise. It's a really great sort of art house horror movie. Um, and I'm not typically I'm not a big horror movie fan. Horror movies have to be really well done for me to really appreciate them. The Descent is, if not the scariest movie I've ever seen in my life, it's certainly one of them. Um, and it, in thinking about it, there's a lot about Centurion. There's a lot of mileage that he gets out of Centurion that comes from a very kind of similar place to the, the Descent, which is that feeling of being stranded in a place where you just don't know what the danger is. Yeah. And that sort of like, that wild, you know, sort of unknown horizon um, that serves as a backdrop to a lot of the um, the horror in Centurion. Because Centurion is in a lot of ways kind of a horror movie because of the way that Neil Marshall directs his kind of action violence. Um, how would you describe... so? Like, Neil Marshall has a very specific aesthetic to the way that he does violence. How would you describe it? You know, I love horror movies. I love I love bloody movies. <laughs> this movie is so bloody. Yeah. And really, when I watched it, I was like, I had to actually go to IMDb because what it reminded me of, like, the coloring of the film and the amount of blood and the way the blood looked and the way... Um, the blood shooting out of people looked I had to look and see when was <laughs> when was 300 out because it kind of rem- gave me that kind of vibe yeah. of like just this ridiculous like there's this spray of blood and it's just like very traumatic <laughs> and um, you know maybe people's blood does spray like that I've never killed a man 
I don't know if I ever do, I'll, I'll, I'll report back. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's kind of like the aesthetic that he has is it's very over the top bloody and very, it's just really dramatic. And sometimes it's kind of comical um, the way that people die in this movie and in the descent as well. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, to me, it's just, a, it's a little over the top, but not too over the top that it looks fake. Yeah, I, it, it reminds me a lot, kind of almost like of, of Baroque art. Like there's something that is so, it's so pronounced. Like, I mean, like a lot of bloody movies are are bloody and they're just yeah. trying to gross you out as much as possible. But like, there's something about what Marshall does that reveres the violence. It's a re- I don't know exactly how to say it, but there's something that reminds me like of, of like Caravaggio, where there's, it's it's the it's the, the visceral nature of what he's doing that is, has this almost kind of weirdly poetic quality yes. to it. That's a great way of putting it. That he's so kind of that he's so gleeful about what he's yes. doing, and that really, it's it's weird to kind of like enjoy that. It's but, pretty. Um, it's, like, it's like really pretty. Dead. It is. It is. It really is. And and he's he's just uniquely great at it. Marshall also directed two of the best episodes of Game of Thrones, and one of them is oddly connected to this movie. So the two he directed are the Battle of Blackwater which I think is in season two. Um, That's a really pivotal moment in the story. And then the other one he directed was um, The Watchers on the Wall, which is the episode uh, when Castle Black is attacked. Um, It's an amazing episode. It's this enormous battle. That is an amazing episode. Yeah, and it's one one of the last really great episodes of that series before it started um, deteriorating a little bit. But uh, yeah, he's... Brand brand forever. (laughs) Uh, But his... DNA is kind of all over that that episode. And the reason that I think it's funny that he directed that one is because this movie and the story it's telling and the underlying history of this story is also influenced or, or inspired the idea of the wall and the wildlings in Game of Thrones, right? So that's one of the things that Martin um, references back to with the wall um, is Hadrian's wall, which is this movie is trying to t- basically tell the story of why Hadrian's Wall existed in the first place. And all of that is tied into the disappearance of the Ninth Legion. So w- what do you know about the Ninth Legion? What do you know about the whole conspiracy theory surrounding? I mean, aside from what the movie claims, which it has, it has one kind of answer to the question, are you, are you at all familiar with the sort of the, the, the lore surrounding the Ninth Legion and what happened to it historically? No, so, no. So honestly, like, this movie, aside from the little bit of Wikipedia that I looked up randomly this week, and of course, every time I read it, I didn't take any notes because, <laughs> no, I don't know much about it. But after watching it, watching the movie and using the movie as my conspiracy theory like loop, yeah. it reminds me a lot of the um, the thoughts around the Roanoke colony. Yeah. Where no one knows where any of those people went. <laughs> my personal conspiracy theory on this is the people left Roanoke and then several years later, the Salem witch trials happened. I think those assholes just walked straight on up to Salem and they're like, hey, I'm going to live here now. And that, then all of that happened. That's a terrific conspiracy theory. Uh, yeah. Do the, do the years line up? The, year, the years do line up. Yeah, the Roanoke thing, that's a really interesting story. And it's, you're right. It's very similar to the, the, the type of conspiracy theory this is. Um, yeah. The, the, the over sort of the overwhelming conspiracy theory angle to the ninth legion thing is what we call a conspiracy of silence right where people just stop talking about something and agree to stop talking about it in order to 
achieve a kind of a political goal. Yep. Um, yep. And, and, <laughs> and that's the thing that is alluded to at the end of Centurion, where they, when, when Fassbender's character, spoiler alert, survives in the end, and then they are plotting to, to kill him anyway, so that nobody will find out what happened to them. The reason for all of that, and it's 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 pretty interesting sort of historical context as to why this was especially troubling for uh, the the Roman imperial elite, it has to, a lot to do with it. when you track the Ninth Legion itself and where it started and what it was involved in. So the uh, the, the the Legio Novem Hispania, which is their official name, um, better known as the Ninth Legion, they 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 date back to the Roman Republic, so they're they're pre-imperial, and just a quick thing about what legions are. So legions were essentially the um, kind of central powers of a bunch of different military forces, and they were all stationed in different places, um, and they were all sort of detachments of of the broader Roman military. Um, the ninth was especially successful and especially revered. And when Caesar became the governor of northern Italy, the ninth was one of the legions that he inherited. So already once uh, the, the move towards imperial rooms happened, like the, the ninth were already legends. They were already one of the elite squad because they were associated with Caesar himself. It, it seems that he gave them a cushy retirement and allowed them just to go off and enjoy their days because they had served so nobly um, in his army. But yeah, when, when Octavian came to power, um, Caesar Augustus, he brought them back <laughs> because he needed them uh, to fight Mark Antony. So, no one's ever really in full retirement, though. No! Right? <laughs> this, this is actually a pretty common story in Roman history. Like this, The same thing happened to Vespasian when Jerusalem rose up and he came out of retirement. So like, yeah, you have all these like old guys who are super good at their jobs and suddenly there's this massive military need and so they're they're pulled out of retirement so augustus actually when, when when he came to power did away with like half of the legions but he reinstated the ninth after the ninth had helped him uh defeat mark antony and 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 thus become um the first great emperor of rome are you familiar then with the with the Battle of Teutoburg Forest? No. Do you know? What I feel that like is? I'm sitting here in a history lesson. I've actually got my notebook out. I'm like, let me write down anything that I think could be a conspiracy, so I can look all this up. Later. <laughs> <laughs> so this is where this is this is why the Ninth Legion conspiracy theory. This is sort of where it starts. It's sort of where the where the ripples of it um, begin. So in 9 AD, a guy named Varus uh, was, was leading a bunch of legions out against the Germanic barbarian tribes. Um, so he brought with him the 17th, the 18th, and the 19th legion. And all three of them got absolutely crushed. They all got their asses handed to them by Germanic barbarians. And it was a massively embarrassing moment for Rome. And, and why that matters is because Rome depended on other people being afraid of them. And the, the Pax Romana, which is sort of the way that Rome, you know, they would invade a place and then they would conquer it. And then they would, you know, that place would then have Roman backing. And so nobody would screw with them. Right. And uh, that's sort of how things worked. So the Pax Romana really relied on the fear of other people 
taking on Rome, right? So like no one's going to screw with these guys. When three of their elite legions are just absolutely crushed by a oh, bunch yeah. of barbarians, that is that is bad PR. One of the reasons this happened is not so much that like barbarians were better fighters necessarily, but it was as as Rome expanded as the empire expanded further out into the wilderness, they were dealing with a bunch of people who had never been conquered before. So part of Rome's early success is that they were com- conquering places that had already been quote unquote civilized and they were used to being conquered. And so they would be conquered and Rome would take over. And it was sort of just like another day for them, right? It wasn't a big deal. As they expanded further out into the wilderness, there was all these people that had never been ruled by anybody else. And so they found that it was much more difficult to sort of get them on board and that they were much more resistant to Roman rule. So this is what was happening. This guy Varus is a classic example of like a, um, a mediocre white man. Like he, was really good at political stuff. It was given a generalship that he probably shouldn't have had. Um, and then it went sideways. So this event, this this annihilation of these three legions was a uh, traumatic experience for, for the Roman Empire. Um, and they didn't want it happening again. Right? Like, we cannot allow this to 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 be the norm, and, and we have to keep this as as kind of hush hush as we possibly can. And then, shortly after that, or about a half a century after that, is the Boudican uprising. Um, do you know what the Boudican uprising is? This is a really fun one. No, God, I feel like I I just should have you know gotten out like my old encyclopedia. Really, just taking some notes here. <laughs> so, Boudica was this was this badass Celtic woman who led a uprising against the Roman occupiers and lost in the long run, but but had some real pretty hardcore uh, victories. Uh, and she absolutely did a number specifically on the Ninth Legion. And of course, that was also really embarrassing for the Ninth. Um, the Ninth regrouped uh, and were able to basically rebuild their numbers, but that was a real scar on them. So this is in the towards the end of the first century AD. So by the time we get to the events that are depicted in Centurion, the ninth already has dealt with what it looks like when you have a well-organized British military coming at you. But by contrast to the people that we call the Picts, Boudica and her army were a walk in the park. Um, so this is why I think like this particular material is great for, for, for Marshall. The idea of the Picts and the sort of mysterious nature of them and that they were untamable, right, uh, really plays well into his sort of ballet <laughs> approach to these kind of violent confrontations. Um, so the Picts are from what we now call Scotland, then called Caledonia. So these are the these are the native kind of Celtic tribe, uh, way north of Britain, uh, and that is where the action in the movie takes place. So when the movie starts, uh, the the garrison that Fassbender's character, um, whose name is uh, Quintus Dius, yes, yes. So the garrison is attacked. He's the only survivor. And then he just basically gets his ass handed to him for a long time until the ninth comes to to fix everything. So 
Do you know about Hadrian's Wall? I'm going to say, I'm going to have to say no on this one. Okay, so at the end of the movie, they are constructing the early parts of Hadrian's Wall. And Hadrian's Wall's construction begins in 122 AD. And this is part of the reason why a lot of people think that the Ninth Legion's sudden disappearance from history is connected to the building of Hadrian's Wall. Um, Do you know why Hadrian's Wall was built? I mean, to keep people out. (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't to keep out the undead well yeah so so north of the wall in game of thrones right is is the wildlings and of course these horrific white walker zombies and in in the kind of propaganda in the sort of the the folk tales of what was in what we now know as Scotland, which in the equivalent to Westeros in Game of Thrones is like the north beyond uh, Winterfell. Right. Right. So, so, so way up north where it's snowy a lot of the time, you know, i.e. Scotland. Uh, you have these, these wildlings, which are people who don't want to be conquered and just want to like live in the cold because they're free. And of course, that is the corollary to the, to the picks in this story. And then you also have the kind of folk tales of evil spirits and demons and zombies and that sort of thing that also uh, live beyond, beyond the wall. So Hadrian's Wall is not as impressive as the wall in Game of Thrones. The wall in Game of Thrones is like several hundred miles long and like 700 feet tall. Completely unrealistic construction there. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It would be awesome if anybody had ever built a wall that big. Uh, Hadrian's Wall was, I think at its highest, was about 20 feet tall. So not not quite as big. It was not made of ice. Uh, it was very thick, though certainly not as thick as the wall is in, in Game of Thrones. Uh, and I think it was about 70, 70-something miles across. Uh, so it's big, uh, for sure. And it was built... Uh, if you can imagine a, an image of Britain, the, the neck of Britain where England and Scotland are connected is where Hadrian's Wall was built. So like the narrowest point in the isle, in, 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 in Great Britain, yep. in that island, yep. which is almost the border between England and Scotland, but not quite. That narrowest point is where they built Hadrian's Wall. Got it. And the idea behind Hadrian's Wall was basically that the Romans were like, you know what? Screw these people. You stay over there. <laughs> We're not going to conquer these people, so let's just build a wall and pretend that's where the world ends. And it's actually not that far from what they were actually trying to say. Um, one of the reasons that the Romans thought that people in the wild were untamable and uh, uncivilized was because they thought that they were living essentially at the end of the world and that they were they were far removed from you know the the creation that of of the gods right the the blessing of the gods that rome was the center of the universe literally and then as far away you got from rome the further away you were or closer you were to the end of the world and so they were just like you know what we're basically at the end of the world now so like screw these people let's just build a wall and like pretend they're not there and we're not going to conquer them and just going to call it a day um, and we're all going to go home. Oh, to be a blissfully ignorant Roman. <laughs> that's the, so that's the official story of Hadrian's Wall. Yeah. The, the, the conspiracy theory story of Hadrian's Wall is what this movie covers, right? It, it gives us the what-if scenario of why Hadrian's Wall was built 
Um, not just as a way of the Empire being like, yeah, good enough, we're going to cut it off here. But in reaction to an event that was so cataclysmic that they could not afford to ever let something like that happen again. Um, and it just so happens that the last time that we have any record of the Ninth Legion is in 120 AD. So just two years prior to the construction of Hadrian's Wall is the last met, like mention we have of these people anywhere in history right and so that's where the that's where the conspiracy theory comes in yeah i like that one i like that one a lot better yeah <laughs> it's a great story it's a great it's a great idea um and i think there's actually quite a bit of merit to it i i, I think this actually might be one of those rare historical conspiracy theories that are true so th- so this isn't like multiple people shooting John F. Kennedy or whatever. Like this is actually looking at the available evidence. And a lot of people have tried to come up with other explanations and none of them seem to really work. To to put this into perspective of, of what we're talking about here, I'll use a sports analogy. If the, after winning, like, what is it? Six Super Bowls, like the New England Patriots just, Nobody talked about them again from this point forward. I'd, I'd be fine with that, though. <laughs> I'd kind of be fine with it, too, even though I'm ostensibly a Patriots fan because I'm, I'm from New England. But um, I don't really care about football. And I don't really. <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's that sort of like a, to, to give people a sense of how weird this is. Like if you were to put yourself a couple thousand years in the future and then be reading a book about sports right and like you're reading all of these books up until like 2018 or whatever and then every and you're like wow these patriots sure seem to win a lot of super bowls and then like no other sports magazine or journal or book ever mentions this team ever again right that's what we're dealing with with the ninth legion so there is kind of something fishy going on there and i and i think your your roanoke analogy has some has some uh has some teeth to it yeah, like like maybe they just went somewhere else maybe they're just like you know what i don't want to deal with this guy anymore these people suck let's just go live somewhere <laughs> else and forget all this ever happened yeah and that's kind of what like fassbender does right where he's like you know what yeah screw this i'm gonna go live with that nice lady with the soup and like that's that's exactly that's, that's how my that's how my story is gonna conclude um so, I, you know, I say this is like one of the earliest conspiracy theories, which is kind of true, but it, it actually dates back. It's, it's actually more recent um, in terms of an actual academic theory. It was proposed by a guy named Theodor Mommsen, who was a German academic in the late 19th century. Uh, and he looked at the historical records that we had and was like, huh, weird. Uh, this Ninth Legion, who were so super successful and badass, and we have tons of information about them suddenly disappear from the historical record in 120 and Hadrian's wall is built in 122. I wonder if that's connected. Right. And so he actually wrote um, a theoretical sort of premise as to, as to how that would play out. Centurion is, is in a lot of ways based on that idea, but then the real game changer was a, it was a woman named Rosemary Sutcliffe in 1954, who you may not have ever heard of. I'm, I'm just like batting a thousand here. I'm going to go no. Great. I didn't either until I did research <laughs> on this, but she's really pretty amazing. So uh, she was a historical fiction writer and she wrote a bunch of stuff about like Robin Hood and she, like a lot of the 
stories about the sort of historical fiction stories that we are most familiar with now. Like she wrote some Arthurian stuff. Um, she wrote a lot of the stuff that became really popularized in the 20th century, like her versions of it. But her biggest hit is a book called The Eagle of the Ninth. And this is the book that a movie made a year after Centurion is based on. And that movie is called The Eagle. Have you seen this movie? I sure have. Okay, what do you think of The Eagle? I would have to rewatch it, but I'm going to go with uh, 2011 me. Probably really liked it. Okay. <laughs> and and would that have anything to do with its star? Um, God, no. <laughs> no. And who, and who was the star of that film? Shanning Tatum. And, you know, plug, plug here, uh, Magic Mike's. Go check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love Channing Tatum. I do. But... Wow, is he miscast in a movie like this? Um, oh yeah, no, for sure. Like, <laughs> definitely could have been anybody else. Yeah, and 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 a fastbender or a or a Russell Crowe is the only <laughs> the only person that I want. Someone a little less, um, I don't know, derpy looking. Less derpy is is a good is a good way to say it. Yeah, I, I, Jamie Bell is also in this movie. I love Jamie Bell as well, but um, I feel like Jamie Bell could have been would have been better in the Tatum role. I, I, most people would have been better in the Tatum role. J- yeah, Jamie yeah. Bell is really good, though, in a kind of as that like supporting. I don't yes. know. Anyway, um, <laughs> it, it proposes basically the same theory uh, about the 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 ninth going north into um, Caledonia, which is now Scotland, getting their asses handed to them by the Picts, who just did not give a fuck about anything, uh, and just killed the hell out of people like crazy, and. It was such an embarrassment, and they were so badly slaughtered that um, the Roman Empire covered it up and just said, like, never heard of them. The Ninth, don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it seems accurate. I feel like I would do that. No, it makes perfect sense, right? Like, that's what's really cool about this, is that is that why I'm so intrigued by this particular theory, is that unlike so many other historical conspiracy theories, this is logical. The, the data seems to line up with it, right? Like, and wow, you really want to know what happened. Like, And that's what's great about this movie, and that's what's great about the story itself, and I think why it has such legs and, and stories like the Roanoke story is t- taking aside the conspiracy theory element of it, which is so intriguing, you're like, w- well, what did happen to them? And like, if it was that bad, holy crap, like, what was that like for them? And, and how did they do it? You know, for the most part, the Roman military had a really great track record of not losing battles. T- to imagine an elite squad being just wiped out, thousands of them, wiped out by a bunch of, you know, quote-unquote barbarians, is an intriguing tale. Yeah, it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever encountered this um, in any of your travels, which I know we're all wishing we could travel right now, but it's almost like getting in the elevator of um, a hotel where the architect just skipped the 13th floor. Where it like li- it's literally just like twelve fourteen. Where the fuck is thirteen? <laughs> it's really interesting because you know I'm always kind of amazed that something so superstitious is is taken seriously to the point of like people literally don't have a thirteenth floor in their building. Commonly, I mean it's not yeah. it's not a weird thing. I see it all the time, and nobody talks about how kind of crazy that is it makes me wonder if back then if someone did bring up the ninth 
did someone else just come out of the shadows and just like cut that guy's throat and then they just like make a motion and then they throw him in a ditch somewhere like did they literally just like start killing people until everyone got the message that you don't talk about it's like a fight club it's like you don't talk about it it doesn't exist it never happened so that's the that's the thing that I, i yeah i also really find that intriguing i think that angle of it is really interesting as well um i think if the roman imperial forces first of all i don't know how many sort of common people in rome would have known the ninth by name or been able to list any legion or where they're stationed right so i don't know how how sort of mainstream knowledge of the legions were it's probably like a guy that like knew a guy that knew a guy that knew a guy that maybe was in the ninth oh my friend was in the eighth Uh, my cousin's friend used to be in the seventh um yeah i can imagine that sort of thing But, but I can certainly see that if, uh, given the structure of the Roman Empire and the authoritarian nature of it, that if you are in the organizational side of it, say the military, and someone's like, don't ever talk about this, you never talk about it, and you don't have to be told twice, and you don't ask questions as to why. Um, that, that, that's sort of what's so intriguing about this whole conspiracy of silence thing. Right, the idea of a group of people getting together and deciding not to talk about something, um, which is really hard to imagine today. In fact, it's one of the things that makes conspiracy theories so unlikely is that people tend to blab. Yeah. Right. That like to to get away with 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 pulling something off of that magnitude, um, that that people do tend to say something. Like I think you know you look at the all the COVID nineteen conspiracies or like you know the the faked moon landing or any of that stuff. And for the idea that people would be that organized and also that nobody would spill the beans is, is tough to, is tough to swallow, especially yeah. these days, but less so I think in the Roman empire, I can see that being the order. And I don't know if anybody got their head chopped off for being like, Hey, what happened to the ninth? Right. And I would love to think that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing that, um, these things endure for for as long as they do i i don't think anybody really cares about roman legions but when you hear that oh there was this one that mysteriously vanished and they were super badass and then like they were gone that is the genesis of really so many great stories and and you know there's the the whole the whole notion of like the the roanoke thing the idea of of all of these sort of missing pieces of history these like these these things that happen in the shadows really still does capture capture the imagination a lot of people don't know about the roanoke story i'm surprised that there haven't been more movies made about it or at least yeah like theoretical movies made about it. Yeah, I've thought that as well. I would love, if anybody's listening, please contact me. I would love to write a story for you about how Roanoke is connected with Salem. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But no, I think the same thing. And I actually, I visited Roanoke Colony a couple of years ago, and that's where I decided to come up with this own theory on my own. Um, Even like when you're there, like it's not, it's not, um, as advertised as you would think it would be like oh come and visit roto colony where like all these people disappeared like nobody gives shit yeah and it's like nobody nobody talks about it but the people that are talking about it they really care it's like they're i'm sure this happens a lot and i'm sure this has happened a lot throughout history where you know something crazy like just a large group of people disappearing has happened more often than not 
but nobody talks about it because it's they're lost pieces of history which i think that's where people love to just like come up with their own like theories and thoughts about where they disappeared to or if they disappeared and did they just shoot up into the sky and now you know they're on another planet i don't know so why do we care so much like i i love centurion because it's a great action movie but what i really love about it is the grandeur of the story that takes place around it and and you know as someone who really loves those kinds of stories and is really intrigued by the ideas of conspiracy theories what is it about it i think it's the fact that we are all sort of terrified by the things that we don't understand and can't explain yeah so you know like there's this there's this fear and excitement around like the fact that you know did the ninth really disappear or did they go off somewhere else and just decide to you know they just decided to go back into retirement and just disperse it's just the thought of not knowing it's it's almost like we can't you don't like to not close the loop Mm. you like for the loop you like everything to come full circle that's i love for things to come full circle If, if the circle doesn't close there's all of this room for questions and there's all this room for well I mean, what if, you know, that really did happen? Just like why I love the Da Vinci Code when we were talking about it. What if, you know, that's like a loop. You can you can easily say, like, there's a very fine line in this circle. Like, what if it didn't completely go full yeah. closure yeah. there? You know, what happened? You know, I think that's, for me personally, that's why I love conspiracies. Um, just because there's all this, you know, there's all this branching off. It's like the roots of a tree. You know, you see, you see what people want you to see, but you know, underneath there could be so much more and you want there to be so much more because I think we all want to have this escape and we want to all be able to think that there were these crazy things that happened, you know, like the ninth, you know, they mysteriously disappeared. They, they didn't go anywhere. They just literally disappeared. Um, You know, that's fascinating because it's like, okay, well, where did they disappear to? you know did someone come and abduct them are there aliens i don't think anybody's proposed the aliens <laughs> theory yet though um listen if somebody could make indiana jones and the crystal skull aliens could have abducted these people well technically that wasn't aliens that was that was trans-dimensional beings but um, true you know true. I, I gotta say like in 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 fairness to the crystal skull and i again i find this to be more interesting than any of the movies it's, themselves which is um, you know, like what we were talking about with the, with the whole 13th floor thing and how we just accept that as normal, even though it's fucking crazy that people it's so don't, stupid. That, right. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, the whole thing with Indiana, like what I, what baffles me about Indiana Jones and, and, and that movie is like, Oh, I can't believe it was aliens. Like that really jumps the shark for me. I'm like, dude, the last movie the ending was like there was a literal cup of Christ and a guy who'd been fucking immortal. And when you drink yeah. out of that cup, you become, and so you're okay with like deus ex machina in a literal sense at the end of that movie, but not aliens, which are far more plausible <laughs> than God and, 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 and the, 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 the grail of Christ. Like I don't understand. And, and that's to me says a lot about what we are willing to accept and what we're not and that we never really critically question that because that really is weird that like people are willing to accept that the literal ark of the covenant has literal ghosts in it that turn you to goo right and that's fine 
but yes. like not aliens. That's a that's a step too far for me. Like, <laughs> me insane. While we're on the subject, I want to know what is your favorite historical conspiracy theory? Um, uh, I'm a diehard Salem fanatic. Yeah, yeah. So that whole all of everything that happened in Salem, and you know, were there witches? Were there not witches? <laughs> were the women that were murdered were they normal people that they were just convinced the witches convinced people that those were the witches so that they could continue to live their lives right i mean because they obviously already knew how to throw people off their tracks since you know they'd come from roanoke years before (laughs) i'm I'm gonna just keep saying this until it becomes a real thing i gotta i gotta write this down i'm gonna send it to somebody but that's my that's my favorite that's for me that's my favorite historical like I don't even know if it's a conspiracy theory. That's just my, like, the biggest question, because I think, I mean, there's still people out there that question, you know. Right. Because there, obviously there was no way for them to say, like, if this person was a witch or not, you know, what's the full definition of a witch? Yeah, it's it it's less less of a conspiracy theory, more of the the unclosed loop that you were talking about, yeah. right? There's, there's, there's still just this, like, well, what the hell? Like, yeah. like what really happened? And, um, you know, to me, it's like, it's one of those things that is less a mystery and more an inevitability. Like, if you look at what was going on on the ground and just the atmosphere of the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, one of my other favorite horror movies of all time is The Witch. Uh, yes. uh, from Right, from a couple of years ago. And... It's not an especially violent movie. It's a movie that just drills itself inside your head and gives you that sense of just the terror of the unknown, right? Yeah. And and that really is like again, there's so much mileage there. And I think you're right, like that we we are we are intrigued by that feeling um, echoing throughout history yes. somewhere. Absolutely. And I think what what's so enduring about the story of the Ninth Legion is that there's a a physical representation of that in the form of the wall right like the the remnants of hadrian's wall are still there it's not what it's not what it once was and it really was built very much like the wall in game of thrones it had a bunch of garrisons right throughout uh, at mile markers and that sort of thing and it was like it was a big bad thing like you wouldn't you wouldn't screw with it because it had it was manned all the time i think in our in our sort of collective cultural imagination that there's the sense of like I want to know what's going on beyond the wall. And, and, and in a lot of ways, like history leaves us with those walls, right. That like, we want to tear them down and be like, show me Roanoke. Like, I want to know what happened. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and when, when I grew up, when I, when I was young, like the, the Titanic wreckage was discovered and like, you know, that was also part of that intrigue. It's like, what happened to those people in the middle of the, in the middle of the ocean? Like that was part of the, yeah, right. of, of the mystique about it. Um, Why weren't there two people on that door? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. But yeah, it, it, that and that's one of those things where like the intrigue really is. It's starting to close that loop. Like when when Bob yeah. Ballard found the Titanic's wreckage, right? What, it's it's almost as though we we got another piece of one of those historical puzzles. And and um, I just think Centurion does really echo that that fascination that we have with with these stories of the unknown um, in history that will that will never be known. And I think that's why things like this, even if, even if there is a conclusion and even if someone ever finds out what happened to the ninth, I think there's still going to be people like me, you know, (laughs) lurking in the shadows being like, yeah, but what if? (laughs) 
kind of funny though, because like in 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 the case of the ninth, some of the what if stories are the ones that are like probably wrong. Like one of the suggestions is that is that the ninth was called to to Jerusalem to to fight in the uh, the the Bakukba, uh, rebellion in the early second century or mid second century, and they got wiped out there. And that would make a kind of a logical sense because that was a war where the Jewish forces actually did some damage and um, won some battles, and and you could see that happening. But the problem with that with that is like, well, then why do they disappear from the history books? Why why are they no longer part of the record? Like right. that just doesn't line up. That's not that embarrassing. But losing to a bunch of like picks with bow and arrows and scary ass knives and weird face painting, like. That's scary, and that's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you kind of just want to, like, you want to find the ninth and be like, who hurt you? Well, we still have some of their some of their names, so if you look on, if you do, do some research, you can do a little uh, like montage reel of yeah. in memoriam, <laughs> you know? Yes, exactly. They're all really hard to pronounce and end with that. There's, like, four, all of them have, like, four different names, and they all end with Ilias, Tullius, yep. Ventrulius, yeah. Uh, etc anyway thank you for joining me today yeah absolutely um, if anyone's if anyone's thinking between this and the eagle please watch this instead like you absolutely said. if you learned anything from today much better movie please watch assuming you can st- stomach pretty graphic but very poetic yeah. violence it's, it's, pr- uh, it's, it's pretty it's, it's pretty if you liked those two episodes of game of thrones um you would also enjoy <laughs> centurion i'm i am now amazon uh you may also like people who watched these two episodes of game of thrones (laughs) check out me and jess on the upcoming episode of the da vinci code hanks for the memories also on the cage club podcast network uh jess you want to point anybody to your corner of the internet where are you yeah so i have a i have a website with some some movie and book reviews um they're not as in-depth as this. They're basically watch it, don't watch it. And they're purely for entertainment value only. Um, it's called Muni- Unicorn Musings. Um, feel free to check it out or don't. Doesn't matter. I read them all myself. And I'm like, man, I can't believe I wrote something that cool. Or I'm really glad I wrote something so funny that says don't waste your time. <laughs> I have a really great review of The Descent there. You can probably find it in the archives. It'll just be another um, checkbox for you to go watch the movie because it's fantastic. Um, and that's pretty much it. Go watch this movie because it's really great. It's worth the three ninety nine rental on Amazon. Another plug for Amazon. Amazon sponsor us. Amazon is the only remaining company at this point, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon is the monopoly of the world at this point. Uh, we would like to thank Lord Bezos for his uh, beneficial. Uh, thank you, thank you. I don't even know how to say these things. All right, we're going to end it there. Uh, Jess, thanks for joining us. Thank you guys for joining us. We will see you again next time.